Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Well, without further ado, I'm going to turn this over to my wife. She has an anointed ministry of her own, and um, I'm excited to hear her sing and uh, minister to us tonight. Amen. Worship with her as she sings. You can be seated. I just needed to be turned on. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. Just worship with me if you know the song. Praise the Lord. There's not a mountain too tall. And there's not a problem so That Jesus can't resolve in time.
thankful he's ordering your steps. Why don't you lift your hands? Let's worship him tonight. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm not turning back now. 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 And I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. 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 I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning back now. Oh, I'm not turning back now. Oh, I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna Always sing it with us. The world 
If you're watching online at home, sing this with us. praise him come on is that your decision have you decided I'm following him even if no one else comes with me the cross before me the world behind me I've decided to follow him and it's the best decision I've ever made in my entire life one more time can we put our hands together for Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus oh we praise your name God thank you for your spirit that is here Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So thankful for those words, what those words mean. Amen. Are you thankful those are more than just words on a page? Are there any elders that are here tonight or watching online that can say you're so thankful that you made that decision all those years ago to follow Jesus? Is there a young person, maybe you've been living for God for five years, eight years, can you say how thankful you are that you made that decision to follow Jesus, that you made those decisions to wait on the Lord? Amen. Even when things look chaotic and crazy, even when it looked like things were going to fall apart, but because you waited and trusted, God renewed you. And here you are today in 2020, here in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if we can put our hands together one more time. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 24 through 30 book of Genesis chapter 32 verses 24 through 30 is what we will be reading from tonight. Thank you to the music team and to my wife for singing and playing so ably. I'm going to go ahead and read it for the sake of time. We're going to dive into this. And, well, he's already got it on the screen. Wonderful. The Bible says this, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And Jacob answered, My name is Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Amen. I want to preach to us tonight from this simple thought. The struggle is real. 
The struggle is real. Look at your neighbor and say, the struggle is real. Look at your other neighbor and say, but so is the blessing. The struggle is real, but so is the blessing. That's the title of what we're going to be talking about tonight. One more time before we're seated, lift your hands, lift your voice for 20 seconds. If you're watching online, come on, I know there's all kinds of things to distract us when we're watching from home sometimes, but right now, why don't you gather your family together in front of the screen, and why don't you put the distractions aside if you can, and let's focus in on the Word of God tonight. Jesus, your will be done, thy kingdom come. Your will be done in Carson City as it is in heaven, in Nevada as it is in heaven, in this region as it is in heaven, in this church as it is in heaven, and in every heart and every mind as it is in heaven. God, do what only you can. Lift someone's spirit. Lift someone's eyes. Give someone revelation to see things the way that they are and not the way that they seem. May your spirit have free reign and free course to flow through this house and through the homes of those watching tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And in Jesus' name we believe. Amen. Let's worship him as we're seated tonight. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Be the change that you wish to see in the world. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. If I asked you tonight who made these statements, many of you would recognize them as quotes from Mahatma Gandhi, the leader of the 20th century movement for Indian independence. Or you would probably recognize South African President Nelson Mandela as the one who said, supposedly, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. The problem is, it doesn't seem that neither Gandhi nor Mandela said any of these things. These statements and countless other misattributed quotes are plastered on blogs and bumper stickers all across our nation and around the world, yet there has never been evidence to suggest that they are the ones that actually made these statements. The reason for this, in my opinion, is that we remember people often for the reasons we want to, and not always for what they actually said and did. We remember Gandhi as the purveyor of wisdom, and certainly he did possess some wisdom, but we forget about his exhausting march to the Indian Ocean and the fasts that almost took his life, the beatings and the long hours in prison. Maybe we remember Nelson Mandela as the president and world-class leader, but we forget about his 27 years in prison. Whether it is historical heroes or heroes of the faith, we like to remember them by their highlight reels. We like to look at the big churches, the successful ministries, the powerful conference sermons, or the successful life seemingly free from any problems. We have favorite preachers because they have preached our favorite sermons. We applaud pastors for big church buildings. We applaud saints of God for their many years of faithfulness and accomplishments. And we rejoice over all the miracles 
taking place in foreign lands, and rightly so. But what I am here to propose to us tonight, amen, is that before every life-changing sermon, before every successful saint, before every individual became a hero, before every successful church plant, and before every miracle, there was a struggle first. There was a struggle that came before the success. We forget or sometimes are not even aware of the countless hours of prayer, sweat, and tears that have gone into the sermons we love and the people that we adore. We forget that the sermons that tickle our fancy the most or the people that are the most Christ-like are often the ones who have been born out of the most grief and out of the most pain. We forget that in order for there to be massive, organized, miracle crusades in foreign lands, that there first had to be someone there alone, tirelessly carving out a work for God. For every church that has grown, there has been hours of adversity behind the scenes to the point where our heroes and our pastors felt like giving up. We know them for their successes and we know them for their victories, but we don't always know or realize the moments of overwhelming despair behind the curtain. We know them for having popularity and many friends, but do you know about all the compromised fallen friends that those people of God had to step over in order to keep living faithfully for him? We love the wonderful revelatory things that these people of God, these heroes of God say, but do you know all that has been said about them and all of the lies, slander, and backbiting that perhaps they had to endure when no one else is around? And what is scripture, church, if not a collection of stories about struggling? It is certainly not just a collection of highlights. The Bible spares no details and it records all of the lowlights as well. From Adam and Eve exiled from the garden to John exiled on the Isle of Patmos. From Genesis to Revelation, we find story after story about people who struggled, about people who wrestled, about people who questioned. You have to understand that every bit of peace, every bit of wisdom and virtue that we receive when we read Scripture is because somebody struggled for it, somebody sweat for it, somebody bled for it, somebody endured for it. Somebody lived through pain and lived through confusion and fought and sweat and struggled and dug in order for us to receive what we can receive from this Bible in my hands tonight. Behind every story that gives us strength, there was a struggle. And you cannot have strength, lasting, continued strength, without there being some struggles in the background. What I am trying to help someone notice tonight is not necessarily the greatest miracles. There'll be another sermon, another time for that. But what I'm trying to help you notice is the struggles that birthed them. Perhaps I'm preaching to people who came here or are watching online tonight with question marks in your brain. Question marks about how things are going to work out. Question marks about will you ever get out of this trial. Question marks about why certain things perhaps happened to you in your past. I'm preaching to some people perhaps who are wrestling and people perhaps who are struggling to cope with things that you never asked for. Maybe I'm preaching to some people that are even struggling with the call of God on their life. Maybe it's a younger man or a younger woman watching tonight that God has begun to put some things on you and put some burdens on you. 
but you don't consider yourself adequate and you've messed up so many times and so you just feel like you're in the middle of this struggle. Maybe I'm preaching to somebody who grew up uh, in a broken home or maybe you're living in a broken home situation right now and you've wept and wondered if God could ever give you a home again and your life's been so dysfunctional you've doubted whether or not you could have a normal marriage because all you've seen is dysfunction. Perhaps I'm preaching to people who have been mocked by their own families for your religious beliefs even when all you wanted was love for them. Perhaps I'm preaching to someone that's had a knife in their back and teeth in their back because they've had backstabbers and backbiters come after them. Perhaps I'm preaching to people, amen, who are struggling to not be bitter about things that happen to them. Perhaps I'm preaching to people that are struggling to forgive because things uh, happen to you in the past, amen. Uh, maybe I'm preaching to people who want to go deeper with God, but every time you try, it seems like something knocks you three steps back. I'm here on a mission tonight, on a cold Wednesday night, to, to let someone know that if you're in the struggle right now, you're not abnormal, you're not messed up, uh, you're not destined for failure. Before anybody ever became great, uh, they had to fight. Uh, before anybody ever became a hero, they had to go through some hell. Uh, don't give up. Uh, don't give in. God wants to create a miracle out of your mess. God wants to create success out of your struggle. God wants to do something in you that only he can do, but you've got to trust him. You've got to stay faithful. You've got to get into the ring with God, wrap your arms around him, and say, if I'm going to struggle, God, I'm going to struggle with you. If I'm going to go through hell, I'm going to do it with you. If I'm going to fight stuff, I'm going to hold on to you, and I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Why? Because the struggle is real. Life is tough, but so are the blessings of God. The blessings are just as real as any struggle or trial that you might face. Somebody clap your hands if you believe that with me tonight. Hallelujah. Some of you have felt like the struggle is going to break you, but I've just come with a simple reminder tonight that if you give it to God, the struggle doesn't have to break you, it can make you. It can, it can turn you into something greater and something better than, than you could have ever been before. Why do we think that the, the author of James, amen, the book of James, the author says, my brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, when you fall into various uh, struggles and, and, and situations because what's going to happen is you're going to get patience and you're going to get endurance and that this is going to turn out for your good and this is going to turn out for your, your betterment. Amen. Blessed is the man that endureth the trial for when he is approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them who love him. James chapter 1 and verse 12. I've just come to tell somebody that I know your struggle is real and I know your trial is hard but, but don't have more faith in the trial than you do the blessings of God. You're not going to be here forever. It's not going to look like this forever. I know the struggle's real. I know that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Amen. But the blessings of God are just as real and they are better. They are better. They will outweigh the struggle. All the benefits of God, the benefits of his presence, the benefits of trusting him far outweigh any struggle that you or I might go through. Hallelujah. Psalms 34 and 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You say, well, I, you know, I, I wanted to be a righteous person. You know, I thought that was the goal. We all need to be like Christ. And then I read this passage that said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. 
Do you still want to be righteous? I hope so, because it's worth it. The struggle's real, the afflictions are real, but so is the blessing, and the blessing is far greater. And you say, why, why do the righteous have to suffer? Well, I would ask you, how do you think they became righteous? Part of the way they became righteous was the afflictions, and more importantly, how they responded to the, the afflictions, how they responded to the struggle. That's, that's all part and parcel of what makes people righteous. Because the righteous understand if I'm going to struggle, I'm not going to do it alone. The righteous understand that in, in life, in this broken world we live in, in this broken but beautiful world we live in, everybody wrestles and everybody deals with things. But if I choose to struggle with God, if I choose to bring that into the ring with God, then he can use it for my good. But if I take my struggle to things and people that cannot help me, things and people that are not of God, things and people that have nothing to do with God, coping mechanisms that won't help me but will only harm me, then I will never get better and I will be in the struggle forever. But if I take my problems and I take my trial and I take my loneliness and I give it to God, then I can come out of the ring with a new identity. I I can come out of the room with a blessing. I can come out of the room saying, man, that struggle was hard. But had I not gone through that, I would have never seen God. I would have never got that blessing from God. I would have never got that peace from God. Oh, I need somebody to help me preach tonight. I would have never got that faith, that reward from the struggle that I got with God when I made up in my mind I'm giving my junk to him instead of trying to struggle alone or giving my stuff to somebody else. Come on, somebody. The struggle is real. I understand, but so is the blessings and the love of God. Hallelujah. I know this year has been crazy. I know this year has been chaotic. I know there's been sickness. It's been especially hard on the elder population, on the elders of our, in our churches. And that, that certainly frustrates me as I know it does you, Pastor Hood, and everyone else. It's frustrating, amen, to see heroes of the faith and elders who have lived for God for so many years, men and women of God, now having to deal and possibly face this sickness and this virus. And 2020 has been a struggle, amen. And, and there may be some of the struggle that carries over into 2021. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know as the people of God, amen, the way we struggle is different. The way we fight our battles is different. We don't fight like the world. We don't mourn like the world. Listen, we're, we're called to fight the good fight of faith. There's a lot of people fighting right now, but they're not fighting the good fight. We're called to fight the good fight. We're not called to get in other people's drama, and we're not called to let our struggle spill over into other people's lives, and then, and then, and then we're having problems, and now they're having problems. No, that, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to get on our knees, because getting on our knees puts us on our feet again. Amen. We, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I understand 2020's been a struggle, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is that before there was anything great, there was a struggle. So that lets me know that there's something great, and there's something miraculous, and there's something powerful that is going to come out of this crazy year of 2020. There's something incredible that's going to come after this pandemic has succeeded. I don't know what the future holds, but I know revival is on the horizon for Carson City if we're willing to be ready, if we're willing to harness it 
if we're willing to trust God because there is a struggle that lets me know the next thing that comes is a miracle we've all learned some things we've all grown and by the time we get out of these messes we're going to be better than we were before honey we're going to be stronger than we were before the church is going to be bigger than it was before because of the struggle there will be people in these pews after the virus is over that would have never came had it not been for the struggle somebody needs to say you know what i don't understand it all but i'm going to thank god for the struggle because even in the struggle god can get glory somebody praise him right now one man said this paul's imprisonment whether it was in rome ephesus or caesarea Paul's imprisonment had the effect of amplifying instead of stifling the preaching of the gospel. His courageous commitment inspired others to preach more boldly still. The gospel adds in times of peace, but multiplies in times of persecution. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's on the horizon. But I know this, this upside-down kingdom, so to speak, this, this kingdom of God that we live in and serve, where everything is reversed and everything's different, and the first shall be last and the last shall be first, in this kingdom that we live in, when it looks like everything's over and, and when, when a persecution comes, whether it's personal or whether it's corporate, amen, Jesus says, my gospel is so powerful, and my kingdom is the kingdom that cannot be shaken, to where the gospel will add, it will progress in times of peace. But God says, I, I, I've got such a hand on this thing. And I'm such a God of blessing. And I, I'm such a God that knows what I'm doing. That even when problems and trials and persecutions come, that's just going to make the gospel be multiplied even more. When you look at what happened in the early church, when problems came and trials came and persecutions of different types came, what that did was it forced the church to get out of their comfort zone, both metaphorically and literally. And the gospel was spread to various corners of the earth. I'm here to tell somebody the gospel adds in times of please peace, but it multiplies in times of persecution. It can go further in times of struggle if we're willing to surrender our struggle to God and let him turn it into a success story. In Philippians 3 and 10, written by the same Paul from a prison cell, he said this, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, of his struggles, being made conformable unto his death. I think the reason why few people know him today is because everyone wants the resurrection power, but no one wants the fellowship or the participation of his sufferings. But people who refuse to suffer People, people who, 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 who refuse to give their suffering and give their strugglings to God. People who refuse to be like Jacob and grab a hold of God in the midst of pain and say, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. People who refuse to do that have nothing in common with Christ. And I want to have as much in common with Christ as possible. 
I want to be made conformable unto him. I want the resurrection power. I want to see things like I've never seen. But I know that in order for some of that resurrection power to come, amen, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be due to my response in the struggle. It's going to be due to my response in the trial. How am I going to respond to it? I, I don't like tr uh, uh, trials or struggles more than anybody else, amen. But I know that sometimes there's testings and there's trials, and, and, and the way I respond to it will depend on how I come out of that situation and how much resurrection power that I have. Amen. When God resurrects you out of the struggle, amen, then you're going to have resurrection power. But if you also don't let God take you out of the struggle, and if you stay down, and you stay in the mud, and you stay in the pit, when God's trying to bring you out and bring you higher, then you're never going to experience the resurrection power. You're never going to learn the lesson that he was trying to teach you in the struggle. Come on. Whatever we're going through, we've just got to give it to God and say, God, here it is. What do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with it. Here I am. I'm not going to let you go until you teach me, until you help me, until you bless me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Genesis 45 and 8 records the story of Joseph. Most of us know the story. And the Bible says that Joseph had a revelation. He realized that it was not his brothers who brought him to Egypt. It was God who brought him to Egypt. He realized that even though it was his brothers that threw him in the pit, it was God who had brought him to Egypt. That's how beautiful God can work. You can have people backstab you. You can have loved ones, family members, friends, whatever, throw you into a metaphorical or spiritual pit, leave you for dead, not care one bit about you. They've gossiped, they've slandered, and they've left you there to deal with it yourself. In all of that chaos and pain, God can use that to elevate you to a situation, to elevate you to a place, to a realm that you would have never been in before. It wasn't the slave traders that he was sold to. They didn't bring him to Egypt. It was God. And I believe Joseph's life was transformed when he reached that place. You know, I'm sure for a while, as he had to go in that bumpy wagon ride all the way to Egypt, and as he, as he sat in these various places trapped in a foreign land, I'm sure that he had times of bitterness and times of weeping, thinking, how could my brothers bring me here? How could they do this to me? How could these slave traders do this to me? Why didn't they have mercy on me? But there was that one revelation, amen, that Genesis 45, 8 records. Joseph didn't realize it in the beginning, but God gave him this revelation in the middle of his trial that the safest place for him to be was actually in the pit. The safest place for him to be was actually in the hands of the slave traders because it really wasn't their hands he was in. It was God's hands. And had he not gone to the pit and had he not been sold into slavery, then he and his entire family would have died years anyway. But all these years later, after bitterness and after questions, Joseph had a revelation. Hey, it was the pit that brought us provision. It was the bottom that brought me to the blessing. Had I not gone through these situations, uh, then me and my entire family would be starving to death uh, in the middle of nowhere. But through all the problems God fed me, and through all the problems God fed my family, the struggle is real, church. Uh, but so is the blessings of Almighty God. Somebody praise Him if you believe that tonight. Hallelujah. There's some elders that can testify, or those of you that have been living for God for a few years can testify that there were some things you never would have learned had it not been for the struggle. It was the struggle that taught me some things. About nine years ago, 
when I gave my life back to God after living years away from him, as a teenager, I finally came and gave my life back to God and was doing everything I can trying to learn the scriptures. I was a new babe in Christ, so to speak. And there were some things from my past that were chasing me. There were some things from my past of life of sin that were haunting me, trying to taunt me, trying to convince me that I would never be good or never be better. The enemy was attacking my mind. He was shooting everything that he had at me because he did not want this conversion to take place. Amen. And so he was shooting everything he could at me and, and trying to, to tempt me with things of my past and messing with my heart and messing with my mind. And it was constant and it was intense and I felt so alone and I felt like no one else would understand. And the memories of the past were plaguing me and it was a struggle and it was painful. And because it was so intense, I had no other option but to pray as a 17-year-old boy that had never had a prayer life in his life, amen, because of these, these, these pains and these attacks and these, this confusion, I got down on my knees and every chance I would get, I would pray. I would pray for multiple hours a day in a small uh, uh, costume storage closet at the Bible college I was attending, getting away from everyone, trying to find a place to pray. On my breaks in between classes, I would go into the sanctuary and pray. On my breaks at my secular job, I would go into the back room and pray, not because that was anything special, but because I was struggling because I was desperate for God and it was several months later after I had established a prayer life with God that I'd stopped and I was beating up on myself and I was mad at myself one day and I heard the voice of God tell me Brennan you don't realize it but you have a prayer life for the first time in your life it was the struggle that got me a prayer life it was the struggle that taught me how to hear the voice of God it was the struggle that got me intimately acquainted with God in those rooms of prayer in times of desperation. I'm just giving you an example that the struggle can teach us things if our eyes and our ears are open to God. The struggle that taught me to pray, and it was the struggle that taught me a million other things. Job 42 and 5. This is what the author says. This is what Job said. Excuse me. He said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Can I remind somebody that may already know this, chapter 42 is the end of the book. Can I remind someone all the hell and the chaos and the struggle that Job went through in all those many chapters in the book of Job. And Job now finally says at the end, after losing so much and questioning and struggling, he said, before I went through the struggle, I heard of you with my ear. But now, after I've gone through the struggle and the chaos, now my eye sees you. Now I know you far better and far more than I did before. Job heard about God, but he did not see God until he went through the struggle. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to just hear about God. But I want to be someone that sees him and sees his fingerprints and sees his handprints everywhere. Hallelujah. There are some things that we may not know and not learn until we've gone through a struggle, until we've surrendered that struggle to God. Hebrews 11, 25 and 26 says that Moses chose affliction with the people of God. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Amen. Than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Amen. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. 
Why would Moses choose a struggle? Why would anyone choose a struggle? Moses did because he knew there was a blessing in the struggle that he could never get in the palace. He knew there was something powerful in the struggle that he could never get in the palace. He knew that there was something more. And I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. I don't really mind if it's just a handful. I've just come to let someone know if you want to go deep, there will have to be a struggle. And you say, that's no problem, preacher. I'm already going through a struggle. Well, there's another qualification. You've got to give that thing to God. You've got to stop turning to other coping mechanisms, and you've got to stop trying to do it all on your own and try to play the captain of your own ship and the CEO of your own company. And instead, you've got to give that struggle to God and say, God, mold me, make me, shape me, do something in me that I could not do in myself. Don't let me go until you bless me. There are some people here tonight that you have walked through hell. You have gone through hell. You have come from a hellhole of a situation, and you've wondered, can I ever be anything great? Uh, I, I, I'm better now, and at least I'm stable. But you know what? I don't think I'll ever be anything great. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be a Pastor Hood or a Pastor Buxton or a Brother Wilson or you name it. I don't think I'll ever end up or be like that or a Sister Wilson or a Sister Mayo or a Sister Hood or Sister Buxton. No, I, I, I barely made it out alive. I've been through too much. I've seen too much. I've been hurt too much. And I'm trying to help you understand that what you think has disqualified you has actually qualified you for greatness. What you think has taken you off the map has actually qualified you and given you a depth and given you an anointing that other people would not have because you have gone through the struggle. Somebody needs to take a minute and talk to God right now. Somebody needs to praise God right now and hear from him in this moment. Come on, somebody, lift your hands, lift your voice just for a moment. Come on. Come on, come on. God's got a plan for you. God's got more he wants to do in you. You're so tired of the struggle and you're so tired of the trial, amen, that you're getting to a place where you're going to just stay here. You're getting to a place where you're about to be satisfied with just settling and just saying, you know what? I used to dream more. I used to have bigger visions and plans, but I'm so beat up and tired. I'm just going to stay here. And if I got to drag my face on the carpet for the rest of my life, hey, at least I'll make it. I've come to preach to somebody. That's not the will of God. He's not just calling you to survive. He's calling you to thrive. Don't let the struggle kill you. Let it be your motivation. Let it be your launching pad. Let it be the power that God uses to take you further. Let it be a testimony. Let it be something that helps you to relate to the rest of humanity when other people don't understand. Let it be something that creates a deep well in you for you to draw from in times of confusion, in times of struggle and trials. Let it be something you use to minister to others when no one else seems to understand their problems, when no one else seems to understand their struggles. You can come along and say, I've been there. I know what that's like. I know this may sound crazy, but some of the things that I've gone through in my young life, and I know there's things that, that y'all have gone through, people have experienced that I haven't, don't even know what that's like. There's always someone that has it worse than you, and I'm thankful for the life that I've had. But there's been some struggles, and there's been some problems there's been some confusion. There's been some trials, some self-inflicted and some inflicted by others. But can I tell you, and, 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 and I know that I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm green and I still got some water behind the ears, but I know some elders can agree with me on this, that once you get through those things and once you look back on them, you realize those are the things that have propelled you to where you are now. And had it not been for some of those things, you would never be in the blessing. You would never be in the power. You would never be in the better place that you are now. I mean, if, I, I guess if you want to, amen, if someone wants to, they could just live a shallow existence for the rest of their lives, but that's not what I want. And I thank God that through my struggles, God has given me a depth. God has given me a deep well that I can draw from in times of uncertainty. I'm nothing special and I'm nothing great, but the wisdom that God has given me, the wisdom that I have gained in life, whatever it may be, however big or small, has come from the struggle, the lessons that God has taught me. I've come to remind someone the lesson is not learned if it's not earned. You've got to go through the struggle with God, and truth is worth struggling for. Truth is worth fighting for. When you don't know where to go and what to do, truth is worth getting on your knees and spending an hour in prayer, two hours in prayer at midnight with God and asking him your questions and crying. And if you have to pound your fist on the ground and say, God, I don't understand. Help me to understand. Hallelujah. That's all part of the struggle. And God looks down and he doesn't like to see you hurt, but he looks down glad that you're taking the struggle to him, glad that you're taking the questions to him, glad because he, whether you realize it or not, is working on you and forming something beautiful and something great out of you. I wish I could get people to understand every person that's grown up an orphan, every person that's grown up without a dad or a mom, every person that's grown up in a, in a, in a drug-infested home, every person that's grown up, amen, with, with, with uh, depression and suicidal tendencies in the environment around them, amen. I know that many of them go on to greatness because they get it. They get what I'm talking about tonight. But there's many others that they look at those things and they think they're completely disqualified from greatness. They don't even really think about greatness. They're just struggling to survive. They're just struggling to get by. And I wish I could help them understand. And I know God wants to help them understand that those things that you experience. God is not saying that was his will. God is not saying that's what he wanted to happen, but God is saying that all things can work together for the good, and what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good, and those things that you suffered, God is trying to help you to understand that I can use you to be a great hero of the faith. I can use you to do incredible things that you never thought possible because of some of these trials and struggles that you have endured. Hallelujah. The heroes of the faith, you read about them in the book of Hebrews, amen. All the things that they went through, they were sown asunder. They, they, they wandered in caves. They were destitute. They'd gone through all this stuff, but look at what they accomplished. Look at what they did for the people of God. Look at what they've done. Their voice and their life still echoes throughout history, and we still get benefit from their lives today. And it would not have happened without a struggle. I want the musician to come. I've kind of just remind someone, again, very simple, just a reminder, if you let Brother Claiborne remind you tonight, don't curse God over your struggle. Can I tell you, don't, don't even spend all your time trying to avoid the struggle. Sometimes there's trials that, that we're going to have to just step into it and say, okay, God, here we go. I can't run from this. I have to face it. And it might be painful and difficult, but it's better than facing it and going through it is better than running from it. 
And so I'm not going to try to avoid it, but God, instead, I'm going to grab your hand, and I'm going to say, God, if you're, if you're taking me, if you're leading me through the fire, I know that if I have your hand, I can walk through it, and I can come out of it not smelling like any smoke. God, if I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if I have your hand in mine, I can get through it, and I can come out of it a better person, a better Christian, closer to you. Here to tell someone, get in the ring with God and struggle with him. Give your questions, give your pain, give your confusion to him. Put your pain in its proper place. Put it into the palms of God. The problem is, in my opinion, that too many people spend so much time magnifying their struggle when they should be measuring it. They magnify their struggle when they should be magnifying God and measuring their struggle. They should be saying, okay, God, what is there to learn from this? What are you trying to teach me? I don't want to be here, but as long as I'm here, I know you're with me, and I want to learn the lesson. How, how deep can I go? Okay, God, here I am. It, this is hard. So you know what? You're going to take me deep because that's all I've got. You're all I've got. How deep can I go? You've you, you got to measure it Okay, to say, okay, God, you've brought me out before. you saved me before, so I know this isn't going to kill me. This isn't where the story ends. There's light at the end of the tunnel. You gotta remember even in your own words, when you go to a friend and you go to your pastor and you say, Pastor, I'm going through something. Listen to your own words. You're not stuck in it, you're not staying in it, but you're going through it. This too shall pass. Come on somebody, someone hear that word. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, amen, it's not gonna be like this forever. And God sees where you are, his hand is on you, he'll never leave you or forsake you. He loves you and he wants to bless you. There's gonna be a blessing that comes from this struggle. Give it to God, focus on him, and watch what happens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't, don't run from God. Don't avoid what he's trying to do in your life. Don't, don't refuse to answer the call of God because you don't want to have to struggle. Come on, that might be for someone watching online. I don't know who that's for. Do not, do not. Some people go so far that they won't answer the call of God on their life. They won't, they won't respond to where God is trying to take them because they do not want to have to struggle. Because they watch mom struggle and they watch dad struggle and life's been a struggle and they're afraid of what God might be calling them to so they avoid the call of God at every chance they get. Because you don't want to have to go through some uncertainty, some confusion, whatever, whatever it might be, but I'm here to tell you God is not a cruel God. He is not here to just take you through a labyrinth and mess with you and hurt you. No, he's ordering your steps. He's guiding you through that valley. Amen. He's, he's, he's taking you where he knows that you need to go, where he can make you a better man or a better woman. Don't miss out on the blessings of God because you refuse to suffer with God. As I conclude this tonight, Matthew 10 and 27 says this. I'm reading it in a paraphrased translation. Jesus said, what I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. Come to tell someone first, Jesus won't leave you alone in the dark. My Bible says right here that he will speak to you in the dark and there will be things that he tells you things that you learn that you would have never learned without that struggle in that darkness he won't leave you alone in the struggle but he will speak to you in the dark he will teach you things in the darkest of places and the scripture also tells me that whatever you hear jesus say in the dark times 
you need to proclaim it in the good times. Whatever it is that you learn in the dark, Jesus is saying you need to speak for the benefit of others. Whatever you, whatever you learn in the dark, whatever you hear in the dark, whatever Jesus speaks to you in those times of trials, when you come out of it and you're in a brighter season, it's going to be up to you to speak those things, to testify, to proclaim what God has done. Hallelujah. That scripture tells me that you won't be in this trial forever, and there will be a time when you will come out, and there will be a time when you will step into the light, and you will be able to share all that you heard Jesus say in the dark. You will be able to come out and share all that you learned in the struggle. Things that you can't talk about right now because maybe you're still in the struggle, in the thick of it as I speak. You can't share. You can't talk about it. You want to so bad. But just listen. Don't fight. Don't quarrel. Don't strive. Don't gossip. Don't get bitter. Instead, pray. Close your eyes. Listen to what Jesus is telling you in the dark. Because there's going to be time where you come out of it and you'll get to tell it. And you'll get to share it. And you'll get to speak it. And God will advance his kingdom in a mighty way through your story and through your testimony. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. There's some things that people in this church, you are, like I just said, you are in the middle of it right now. I'm trying to follow the Holy Ghost right now because there's just something right here in this moment. Some of you maybe have just come out of it. Some of you maybe are right smack dab in the middle of it. And you don't even know what to do with it. You don't even know how to process it. Don't worry. Listen to the voice of Jesus. Listen for him. He will speak some things to you. You will learn some things. He, he, he will give you revelations that you would have not had otherwise. And when you come out of it, you'll be able to talk. You'll be able to share. You, you'll be able to help others with it. You'll be able to help your family with it. You'll be able to advance the kingdom in a mighty way with all of the things that you learned in the struggle. We have to realize, as I conclude tonight, that God intends the same when he gives and when he withdraws. Can I remind you, church, tonight that the hot sun of summer and the biting cold of winter are equally as necessary for a harvest? Did you know that day and night come from the same cause? the revolving of the earth. If you and I can understand that life is the scaffolding for building Christian character and that my soul can be strengthened by gladness and by difficulty, then I shall welcome them both when they come and neither the good nor the bad will be able to deflect me from my course. And as James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The struggle produces patience, and patience produces the perfect work. Patience produces blessing. Amen. That ye may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you see? Sometimes it takes a struggle in order to get to the blessing. Hallelujah. I'm done preaching tonight. I wonder if we could stand all over this house and lift our hands. If you're watching at home, why don't you lift your hands in your living room? I've just come with a simple reminder to someone that God wants
wants to turn your mess into a miracle. God wants to turn your dysfunction into deliverance. And if you give it to him and you struggle and wrestle with him and give your questions and pains to him, he'll turn your chaos into courage. He'll turn your wrestling into blessing. He'll turn your struggle into a story. He'll turn your struggle into success. But surrender it to him tonight. Come on, don't be afraid of where he's calling you to. Don't be afraid of what God's wanting you to do. Hallelujah. Don't feel like you've been disqualified by the struggle. You're not messed up. You're not abnormal. You're not dysfunctional. It's a trial. It's confusing. But you won't be here forever. Let God take it and turn it for his glory. What the enemy meant for evil, God intends for good. What the enemy meant to destroy you will only help you and bless you when you give it to God. Come on, somebody lift your hands and lift your voice. Sister, who's going to sing? Let's pray. Let's take our struggle to God tonight. When the darkness falls, it won't breathe Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will. Oh. No. 